Thank you for listening to this message from Rooted and Resolved. We'll take your Bibles this morning. We're going to be looking at two different passages this morning, but why don't we start in Luke chapter 1 and look there as we begin. And we started this series last week thinking about uh, the, the series we're calling A Thrill of Hope. And the idea is, is that in that song, O Holy Night, that we sang last week, the, the first verse uses this phrase, A Thrill of Hope, the Weary World Rejoices. And we recognize that the world is weary. We recognize even our own hearts are weary, Right? And, and what a thrill of hope it is to know that Christ has been born, and that makes all the difference. And last week, we started looking at, at this series by talking about hope's anticipation, about how those, those Old Testament saints, those Old Covenant saints, were looking forward to that coming Messiah. And we, were, we looked last week at, at Simeon and Anna, two Old Covenant saints who got to lay their eyes on that blessed hope that we have in Jesus Christ, Right? Today we're going to be talking about um, Mary and Joseph and how the announcement came to them. They're going to be our focus today. Let's talk, the, the sermon's title today would be Hope's Announcement because that's what we're going to focus on, that news that came to Mary and Joseph from the angel declaring that Jesus would be born. I want you to think for just a moment about some news that changed your life. You know, so I, Amy and I talked about that this week, and we talked about the reaction to that. I remember that when I asked Amy to marry me, I had um, we we ended up in meeting. We we met back up at my parents' house, and and, um, and my parents were there. I had had asked her parents to come because I knew that that, that was going to happen that night. Of course, my parents knew that. And then, uh, well, I was pretty sure she was going to say yes. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have, you, Guys don't get down on their knee and ask if they're not pretty sure they're going to say yes. Now, sometimes they're wrong, but I was pretty sure what the answer was going to be. And uh, my grandparents just happened to be, like, in town, but they didn't know any of that was coming. And Amy, Amy talked about the, the face that my, that my Nana Collier made when she saw that ring. And my mom made some kind of statement about what, what did he get you or what. And she, that was the, when she saw that ring, she realized what was going on and the, the expression on her face that you get this news that makes you happy. I remember we were on vacation one year, and, and Amy let it slip. I don't think that's how she intended to tell me, but she let it slip that, that Joseph was on the way, you know. And do, <laughs> this is how, I mean, you know, you hear that with the others. And listen, no, Micah, it was exciting when I heard about you too, but you understand, like, this is, the, you're, this is like, you know, you're going to be a dad for the first time. You know, it's, it's exciting news, you know. You guys know, some of you will remember that Noah was, Noah was not well when he was born. And, and, you know, he had cystic fibrosis and they, the doctors were treating him. And there were some ladies that prayed over Noah here one night. And everything shifted that next week. We believe that God really miraculously healed Noah in that way. And to hear those doctors that we had been seeing um, just can't, couldn't find anything wrong with him and to say, you know, he's, he's healthy, clean bill of health on that. Good, good announcement, good day, right? But some of you, as I'm sharing that, probably some thoughts are coming to your mind and you're probably thinking about some news that, that you have received that changed your life, but it, it wasn't good. It was a diagnosis in a room somewhere. It was a phone call that you got 
they told you somebody you knew had passed away. I was talking to somebody the other day who had lost their job two weeks ago, you know, right before Christmas. When you, when you hear that kind of news, not all the news that we hear that changes our life is good, is it? Mary and Joseph, Christ is born to them in the middle of these circumstances that are just not ideal. And I want us to look at these two passages. We're going to read, you know, the Christmas story really comes together from Luke's account, from Matthew's account, what we really think about the Christmas story being. We're going to read today from Luke chapter 1, and we're going to see how Mary hears the news. Chronologically, that happens first, right? And then we're going to move to Matthew chapter 1, where Joseph hears the news. Let's read these two passages together, and then we'll look at what this announcement meant for both Joseph and Mary. It starts in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 26, where it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, And tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end." You know, based on what we read last week, he's telling her that she's going to give birth to the Messiah, right? Look at verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now let's turn back a few pages to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew's gospel focuses on Joseph and the announcement that came to him and how he heard the news. In Matthew chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 18 and just finish out the chapter. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, 
He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Maybe you want to take a bulletin or a piece of paper or something and kind of hold both of those places in your Bible. We're going to kind of look at those as one account that we've read this morning of this announcement that came to Mary and Joseph. And here's what I want you to recognize. You know, this that happens to them, this news, whether it would change their life for the good or for the bad, remain to be seen as in the moments that have just finished this, our reading today. It, they didn't really know what all that meant. It seems that they were willing to follow the Lord, but they didn't know what all it meant. And so for you and I, what I think that you find in this announcement is that last week when we thought about, when we thought about the, the Old Testament saints and we thought about how they were looking for someone to, to, save their, their, to save them from their suffering and to be a consolation to them, we really talked about the general hurts of the world, Right? And how that produces a hopelessness in people. But as we focus today on this announcement that comes to Mary and Joseph, we've zeroed in on two very specific people and an announcement that came to them. And I don't know if you know this or you feel this, but let's just be honest. Sometimes the circumstances and the things that happen to us, those are the things that cause us to feel hopeless. And so it's a good, it's a good chance that there's, there's many people in this room today, many people listening to this message today, that... You, you're going through something right now and it really is, is causing you to feel this hopelessness. But what we have to remember is, is that what, the reason that Christmas is so wonderful is it's God being born in the flesh and dwelling among us and coming to provide a way of hope for me and you so that the situation, no matter what it, no matter what it is, it is not hopeless because we have hope in him. So what we want to do today is, instead of just looking at the general suffering that makes the world weary, let's think for a minute today about some things that we're going through in particular, and the pattern that Mary and Joseph are going through is the same pattern that we experience that causes us to become hopeless in situations. Let's walk through that, that pattern in their story and see if it's not reminiscent of, of kind of the way that, that, that tragedy affects us, Right? Let's start where it starts for them, where it starts for us. It starts for them with an uncomplicated plan. It started with Mary and Joseph. They had this uncomplicated plan for life. When you look at the passage, both passages in Matthew and Luke tell us that Mary and Joseph were betrothed. Now, some of you that have been in church for a very long time, you have heard a pastor talk about what it means to be betrothed a hundred times, and today's going to be 101, but I never want to assume that someone is here that, that I want you to clearly understand what that betrothal means, right? It's also a beautiful picture that goes far beyond Christmas. Their custom for marriage was different. In their custom of marriage, the groom would approach the, 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 the bride's father. And, and he would, they would work out some sort of arrangement. The father would give his blessing to that marriage. And in that moment, the, 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 the groom paid a price for the bride. Something was given to the father. The, the bride would soon be leaving that household and maybe she contributed or helped with the family business or something like that. And so a price was given for the bride. At that moment, the bride and the groom would make vows to each other. It would be very similar that what we would think about a wedding ceremony where in front of other people there would be vows where, that we would say, I do, you know. 
They said, I do, to each other on that day. But they didn't live together as husband and wife. The, the groom would go away, and he would go, and he would begin to make preparations. He would, he would build a house for them. Many times it would be an extension on his father's home, on his family's home. He would build an extension for them to live. And there was this expectation that the groom was going to come back for that bride and was going to take her to be in the place that he had prepared for her. And there would be this big, it would kind of be a surprise when it was happening, but people would say, tonight's the night, he's coming. And then there would be this, this you know, the bride would adorn herself and be prepared as, the, as people would come with the news that he was on his way. And then they would go back to that house and they would have a party at the father's house. It would be like our reception portion of the wedding. Now, when you think about what I've just told you, isn't that a beautiful picture of how Jesus has described himself as the groom and us as the bride, how he has paid a price for us on the cross and he has gone to prepare a place for us and he's coming again, as he would say, to receive him unto himself so that we would go and we would be with him for eternity. This is the picture that was happening. This was what was traditional for them. And so when you think about it, when they would say those vows to each other, they were legally husband and wife, and they lived that way, but they, she lived at the father's house, he lived at the house that he was preparing, and then one day they would come together. It's in that intermediary time that Mary and Joseph find themselves, but by the very fact that both passages say they were betrothed tells us that Mary and Joseph were kind of adhering to this traditional plan for a Jewish life. Mary was probably in her early teens. Joseph would have been older than her, but probably not much older than her. These are two people who have their whole life in front of them, and they have this very uncomplicated plan about what it's going to be like. Think for just a minute about Mary and Joseph. When we think about what, what it would have been like if Jesus had never been born to them, their life would have been very different. You know, for you and I, when we think about our lives, the, the uncomplicated plan that Mary and Joseph had, isn't that kind of how we envision the future for our lives? It's not that we don't envision struggle, and it's not that we don't take on hard things, but when we just kind of envision the future for our life and the way that we want it to be, we don't envision failure on the other side. Even if, we, even if we envision struggle, we envision success on the other side. And so it's very, maybe unrealistically, we kind of think about our future. We envision that we're going to find a job that's going to bring us success and meaning and, you know, that we're going to be doing something that has purpose to it. Maybe we, we envision a marriage that's going to be happily ever after. Maybe we envision children, that our future children, how they're going to be healthy and how they're going to be stable, you know? And that's not how life always works, is it? We envision many times this uncomplicated plan for our life, and all of those things represent the, the, the kind of the plans and the place where we start from. But this, and this is a kind of hope, isn't it? Like those things that we envision about our future, it's a kind of hope. But that hope is not always based in reality. Sometimes it eliminates or it, or it, or it negates to consider the things that would come along that would be struggle. If Mary and Joseph, if this announcement had never come to them, 
they would most likely have lived out a very uncomplicated life, a very uncomplicated plan in obscurity. They would have gotten married. Joseph would have operated his carpenter shop. Mary would have been a mother. They would have had the regular struggles of life just like anybody else, and life would have been relatively uncomplicated. And if the future that we envision for ourselves were to happen without that bombshell of news ever being dropped on us, life would be relatively uncomplicated. It would follow the uncomplicated plan that we envision for our life. But then, do you know what happens in the middle of all this? In the middle of our uncomplicated plan drops an unexpected event, which is what happens to Mary and Joseph. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about the unexpected event that comes. Here they are in the middle of this uncomplicated plan. They, they have a future envision for themselves, and God sends an angel to drop this news to them. This, this angel is, in some ways, the bearer. We think about it being the bearer of, of good news, right? The good news of Jesus' birth. But if you're Mary and Joseph, initially, it doesn't seem to be good news, does it? This, is the, this angel's the bearer of bad news because it interrupts our uncomplicated plan, and it's never expected. It's never planned. You know, we have heard this story about Mary and Joseph so many times throughout the years that most of us probably, it's probably lost on us how incredibly shocking it would have been to hear that news. We've lost a little bit of what it would mean for to consider how it affected their lives. It's lost its shock value on us. When you look to Luke's gospel, Mary hears this news first. And it's initially troubling to her. What's funny to me is, is if you look at that Luke chapter 1 passage, it says in verse 29 that she was greatly troubled at the saying. And at this point, the angel hadn't even told her that she was going to be pregnant. At this point, she's just trying to figure out why the angel's coming, why the angel's saying she's gained favor with God, why, why the angel's even saying that God has chosen her. That's troubling to Mary. So imagine what it feels like, what she feels emotionally when the angel says, you're going to have a baby. Imagine how she feels as she's thinking about how she's going to explain all of these things. The shock of seeing the angel, of hearing God would accomplish his purposes through her? How would she explain it to Joseph and to her family and to the nosy, gossipy citizens of Nazareth? How would she explain this? Joseph hears the news, and when Mary breaks the news to Joseph initially, it's obvious that he doesn't believe her, right? When you read the passage in Matthew, it says that she was found to be with child, and he says that he's going to divorce her quietly. You know, they were, remember, they were legally married. It would have required a divorce for him. He could have obtained it. The, 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 the assumed infidelity would have been enough to get a, a certificate of divorce, but they were married. It, it says at one point in verse 19 of, of Matthew, it says, her husband, Joseph. So see, even though they're not living together, they're already husband and wife. He could have chosen to divorce her quietly, it says. He doesn't want any shame to come to her. He would have certainly got that certificate of divorce and everyone would have assumed that 
the baby was not his and he would have put her aside. You know, many people often point out that she could have been stoned for this offense. But that was rarely carried out in that day, so I don't know that there's any necessarily any real danger of that in the story. It is just what could have happened. But when you think about Joseph in, as he's dealing with that in verses 18 and 19, Joseph, I'm sure, feels betrayed. I'm sure he feels abandoned. I'm sure he feels that he didn't ask for all these changes to come to his uncomplicated plan for life. I'm sure that he, in some ways, feels disappointed in Mary and, and trapped. Like, what other choice do I have? She's, she's kind of handcuffed me here. I, I have to do this. I can't bear the shame of a thing that I haven't done It would have been this admission that the baby was his and he couldn't do that. But you see in this passage that before he follows through with that plan, the angel comes to him and reveals to him that this is from God. This unexpected event would be the outworking of the Holy Spirit in their lives. This was unexpected and it was not ideal for either Mary or Joseph. And when these unexpected events show up in our lives, they rock our world in a very similar way to what it rocked Mary and Joseph's world, the way it changed their thinking. It comes out of nowhere. It throws us into confusion. There's emotional upheaval. Sometimes we don't even make the best decisions going forward because we're dealing with all the emotions of what this event means for us, and we're just trying to figure out how to cope with it, much less how to go forward from it. This is the way that, just imagine how Mary and Joseph would have felt, all the uncertainty that flooded their lives. This unexpected event would radically alter the course of their lives, and it does us too. When those unexpected events come our way, it radically alters the trajectory of our life, and it demolishes our previously settled, uncomplicated plan for life. We had it all planned out, and then something comes. You know, what follows then, as you think about the unexpected event, that is kind of the initial shock. But if you've experienced something like this, you know that there's the initial shock, but the more extended problem is what comes after the initial shock, after the event. It's the doubt, it's the uncertainty of what it is moving forward. So the same pattern that Mary and Joseph followed, this is the same pattern that happens for us. The uncomplicated plan is interrupted by the unexpected event, but what follows is an uncertain future. We don't know where it's going from here. This has, this has thrown a wrench into the cogs, and we don't even know how we're going to move forward. Mary and Joseph, the reason that we... The reason that we um, I don't know, point to them as examples so many times is that ultimately what they did is they trusted God, right? Ultimately, they take their uncertain future and they put it into the hands of a God who is sovereign and supreme and has everything under his control. But it's not a given that Mary and Joseph would do that. It's not a given that they would. They, ch they chose to. They were faithful to honor God but Mary and Joseph were represent for us the, the, the dilemma that comes in choosing our own way versus choosing his. You know, when you, when you look at the Luke passage and you look at Mary's, the way that Mary accepts this event in her life, 
it seems as if Mary accepts it, I guess, almost immediately. Many people have noted that Mary doesn't even question God's plan for her life, does she? She does have a question, but the question is about the details. It's not about God, why, the, the questions we would ask. God, why me? What did I do to deserve this? God, how am I going to deal with this? Are you crazy? I can't handle this. God, I'm just this teenage girl. who. Ha- it's none of that. The question is, okay, God, I know where babies come from, so how does this work? I, I need to know how, how, this, how the, de- the details. It's not that she is questioning what is going to happen to her. She's just questioning how it's going to happen. God, I'm interested in how this is going to take place. What is it, verse, where she asks those questions, verse 34, where she brings her question, how will this be since I am a virgin? You know, the angel comes to her and says, you know, um, you can trust this, and I'm going to give you a proof that you can trust it. There's another miraculous thing that's happened. Your cousin Elizabeth is going to have a baby. She's, she's barren, she's been barren, and, and she's older, and she's going to have this baby. And that confirmation from Mary would prove that everything that the angel was saying to her was true. You know, when you get down to verse 38, before the angel leaves her, I guess, the angel has said, nothing will be impossible with God. This is verse Luke 1, verse 37. The angels told her, look, Nothing will be impossible with God. So, Mary, any doubts that you have about this, God's going to see you through this. But look at verse 38. Look at this admission. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What you have said, Lord, what you designed to happen to me, Lord, what you allow to come into my life, the unexpected event that has come into my life in the middle of your sovereign plan for me, Lord, let it be done to me. Lord, I'm your servant. And so if you were in Sunday school this morning, we talked about the fact that God regards the, hum- God regards the lowly, the humble. And in that in that thinking this is what Mary's doing here. She's not elevating herself to a place where she is taking on the God role. God, this is not supposed to happen. You know, my plan for life is. She's not doing that. She says, I, I'm the servant. I'm your servant. So if, if you want me to do this, if you have called me to do this, I'm going to do it. And no matter what it means about explaining it to Joseph and the people in Nazareth and my family, no matter what it means as far as the, the, the turmoil in my uncomplicated plan, God, I'm going to follow your will. You know what's even crazier? If you're sitting here today and you're in the middle of a thing do you, and, and, and you haven't surrendered that thing to God and said, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I don't know what you're doing and it's not fun and I don't get it, but God, I, I'm going to trust you. If you're, if you're in the middle of the thing but haven't surrendered that situation to God, I'm fixing to say something to you that's going to seem impossible. Do you know that with the hope that Jesus gives in the middle of circumstances that are not ideal, when an unexpected event drops into your uncomplicated plan, do you know that even in the middle of that, you can praise the Lord? If you have your Bible open, some of you may have already closed it, or maybe, but if you're in the Luke 1 passage, 
we finished in verse 38. And then if you look at the verses immediately following that, in verses 39 through 45, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, and, the, and what the angel said to her was confirmed. But if you look at verses 46 through 55, my Bible has that, those verses labeled. If you, in my Bible also, it's set apart. It's like indented differently. Do you see that? It's like poetry. It's a song. And, and the title above that in my, in my uh, translation says, Mary's Song of Praise. Mary received what the Lord had for her. She had a decision to make. It was an uncertain future. She could have stomped her feet and gotten mad and said, this is not fair and I'm not going to take it and I'm bitter at you, God, and I don't understand why you'd... But that's not what she did. Mary's response was, God, I'm your servant. Let it be done to me according to your word. And when she sees the proof in Elizabeth, her cousin, what does it inspire in Mary? A song of praise. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you have done this thing and that you've confirmed it in this. And, Lord, I know that on the other side of this, I don't know what's coming, but, Lord, I know that on the other side of this uncertain future that you've got me. I know that. The same is true with Joseph. If you look at the Matthew passage and you think about what's happening, Joseph is dealing with an uncertain future. And what I love about Joseph is, is that when he comes to the, when he hears this news, he comes to a logical decision that the best plan is to divorce her. Like he's looking at it from his, you know, okay, God, this is a this is a a problem. This messes up the uncomplicated plan, but I'm just going to come up with a new plan. The new plan is. I'm going to divorce Mary quietly. I'm going to put her away. I love her. I don't want to see any shame come to her. And I don't, I certainly don't want to see her stoned. I'm just going to put her away and just see her. Uh, she'll have to deal with those decisions that she's made on her own. And Lord, maybe there'll be somebody else that you'll put into my life. But I'm going to have to move forward. This is my plan. But in the middle of that, in the middle of Joseph's plan B, God sends that angel to him and says that what Mary has told him is the truth. And do you know what Joseph was willing to do? Listen, if you're here this morning and an unexpected event has dropped into your life and the future is uncertain, it could be that you, as a logical person who's forward thinking, has come up with this plan for your life. About, okay, this is plan B. This is what I'm going to do now. But do you know what it means to put your uncertain future in the hands of a sovereign God? It means being willing to abandon your plan for things. It means being able to set aside your wants, desires, and wishes and what is a good future for what is best in what he would have us to do. And look, Joseph could have stubbornly, if, if you're like me, I have gone through with plan B. Have you not? An unexpected event happens and I don't react to it well and I say, well, this is what I'm going to do. And God, I'm kind of ticked off at you and I'm, you're not involved in this plan. I'm doing my own thing. You'll like it or you'll lump it or you'll whatever, but God, this is what I'm doing. And you move forward and you trudge ahead. We could stubbornly follow our own plan, but that's not what Joseph does. The reason we point to Mary and Joseph as examples is because, Mary, because Joseph is willing to abandon his plan and get on God's agenda. You see it in this passage in verse 24. When Joseph went to bed that night, plan B was still in effect. 
the uncomplicated event had messed up plan A. Plan B was still into effect. The angel comes and shares with him this news. And in verse 24, Joseph woke from sleep. Listen. And he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took his wife. He took Mary as his wife, even though it meant the stairs of judgmental Nazarites. Right? Even though it meant the fact that he was signing up for a future that he didn't understand, he knew that God had called it to be. and He was going to follow God's plan. He would abandon his own. You know, in logical terms, what God is asking for us all the time does not make sense. Sometimes from an outside, from just a logical perspective, what God is calling us to do, the plan that he would have us to take, is not always logical. It doesn't always just make sense. And the same might could be said of what Mary and Joseph were experiencing here. But you know what's great about this to me is that Mary and Joseph didn't know the future. This is such a comfort to me. Mary and Joseph didn't know the future. The future was uncertain to them. And in the middle or in the aftermath of that unexpected event, the future is uncertain for us. But what gives me so much comfort is, is that the future is not uncertain to God. He knows it. In this particular passage, in, in the Matthew 1 passage, when the angel comes and tells all that's going to happen, look at verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And then he's going to quote one particular prophet. But all this was taking place to fulfill what had been spoken by the prophets. All those things that we looked at last week or at least alluded to last week in thinking about how the, the prophecies about the coming Messiah had been given. This was something that, that God who's sovereign, a God who exists outside of time, it, it didn't catch him off guard and, and it, it wasn't plan B for God. God knew what was going on. And I would tell you today that if you're in the middle of a place where you're, where you're reeling from an unexpected event and the future seems uncertain to you, take your concerns, take your worries, take your bitterness and your anger to the only one who can do something about it. We spend so much time out in the aftermath of unexpected events being mad and bitter at God and we resist him. We put up walls and we try to keep ourselves from him. But the truth is, is that he is the only one who can heal that bitterness that we have toward him. And I would say to you that if you are angry toward God and you have not had a session where you have vented on God, pray to him and vent and just vomit your heart out to him. Vomit out all your complaints. And listen, some of them may be unjustified, but he tends to show us that, right? I mean, when you look at Scripture and those kind of things happen, he comes to Job with the word. He, he comes to people with these words. He comes to us and he shares with us. He settles our heart. And so if you're dealing with bitterness toward him because of whatever the unexpected event was, take all that to him. Just take it all to him. And I... I cannot make any promises to you about what will come in the aftermath, but here's what I know. God knows your future. Amen. Don't distance yourself from the one who knows the future that he has planned for you. 
I believe that God is big enough to take whatever you dish out to him. So just dish it out. Just say it to him as honestly and as violently as you know how. Because anything you say to him, if you're really feeling that in your heart, he already knows it. It's not going to come as a, what did you say to me? He already knows that you're feeling that. So you just take it to him in an honest way. Look at the pattern. They had an uncomplicated plan that was interrupted by this unexpected event. And what it led to was an uncertain future. But you know what always comes on the other side of this? What comes on the other side of Mary and Joseph? An undeniable grace. The place where God is leading us is to this place where he has not abandoned us And on the other side of that uncertain future, when we take our uncertain future and we put it in the hands of a sovereign God, we can be assured that we are putting it in good hands. And we can be assured that he will lead us to the place where he's going to continue to provide the grace that's needed to walk that path. Here's what I want to do for the next few minutes. I want us just to kind of walk through and summarize the things that happened to Mary and Joseph following this. Because remember what we said? Like, if if this announcement had never come to Mary and Joseph, they would have had the normal struggles of life. There would have been things, but it would have been been probably more uncomplicated than the plan that actually happened to them. But you know, when God places us on this path or when, when God leads us to something or when something happens in our life, God gives us the grace to deal with that, but then he also gives us the grace to deal with every subsequent ramification or consequence or whatever comes with it. He gives us the grace to deal with those things. It's true for Mary and Joseph, and I believe it would be true for you too. Think about what happens in their life following this. Yes, they get stares. Yes, they get talked about. People probably don't believe them. Their judgmental eyes of their community are on them as Mary becomes this teenage pregnancy statistic. They endure kind of the struggles of having to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which was not an easy journey with a wife who's that pregnant, right? They had this unexpected move they had to make to Egypt immediately following his birth to escape Herod. That was not a thing that they were looking looking for. What about this? Both of these people had been called to raise the Son of God. Like, listen, it's, uh, it's difficult raising sinful children, Right? But think about how difficult it is to raise the Son of God. You know, some of you asked um, ask Leanne this week, I was thinking about the, uh, the nativity stories. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that movie before. It's a, it's a good one, um, the nativity story. And in that, in that movie, the, the, the man that plays Joseph, the character Joseph in that story, they're talking about Jesus before he's born, kind of contemplating what it will be like. And he makes this statement. He says, you know, he, he's going to be the Son of God. Well, Will I be able to teach him anything? Like, 
here's God clothed in human flesh. Am I going to have the opportunity to, to teach him how to tie his shoes or to, I was going to say ride a bicycle, but you know, drive a nail, whatever Joseph would have taught him to do, right? As a, as a dad, I know that I make mistakes as a dad raising sinful sons, right? Your mistakes have to be highlighted when the child's perfect, right? What happens in raising the son of God? You know, there's some things about Joseph that we don't know. Like, you know, Jesus is seen at 12 years old at the temple, and then you re-enter the story when he's 30 years old. So there's this stretch in the Gospels between 12 and 30 that we don't really know much about Jesus' life. At 12, Joseph is there. When he's 30, there's not really any mention of him. Most people believe that sometime in between there, Joseph had died. And so the things I'm fixing to talk about, we don't know what Joseph experienced with Mary, but keep playing that out. Right? We know that at least Mary experienced them. What would it have been like for Jesus to outgrow that carpenter shop and to leave this family business to become this itinerant traveling rabbi to minister to people? What is it like to watch those people follow him only for the miracles and when the sayings get hard, they abandon him. What's it like to feel like your, your son is being used? What's it, like to, what's it like to watch this happen where he becomes an enemy of the religious leaders? He becomes an enemy of those in power? You start to feel the threats against him. You watch the people turn against him. You're there and you hear the crowds chant, crucify him, crucify him. And you know that they're calling for the death of your child. To watch as your baby boy hangs on that tree with nails driven through his hands and his feet. Crown of thorns on his head. A spear through his side. Mary's there for that. There's no mention of Joseph, but Mary's there for that. The thing that God called her to as a young teenager, this thing that changed the trajectory of her life, once she was on that trajectory, God was there at every point to supply her with the grace for every single hard thing that would follow and I've only named for you the ones that we know about or we read about in Scripture or the ones that we can assume based on what we read in Scripture. I don't know everything that she dealt with. I don't know everything that Joseph felt. But I know that God was there to provide them with the grace that they needed to endure. There is this struggle in their family as even the other siblings that they had did not believe in Jesus. Remember James, the one who would write the book of James was Jesus' brother, did not, did not believe in him until after the resurrection. To watch these things play out, but to know that God is giving the grace that would be needed to endure. And the same thing is true for me and you, isn't it? Listen, I don't know about you, but um, 
God is so sovereign that we can bring to him our unexpected event and say, God, what's going on here? You understand I don't. To bring him our uncertain future and put it in his hands, listen, to bring to him our unforgiven sin and place it in his hands. We can lay all those things on him. You see, very much what's being described here is, I don't know about you, but it's, it's kind of my testimony. Living life by our own rules, doing our own thing, thinking that we know what life is. Until the moment that the Holy Spirit drops into our life this unexpected event of this feeling of conviction that we have never, ever felt before. I have this meme on my phone of a, people playing uh, kickball and the girl is running to first base and she's about to hit first base. And there's a man who looks like the first baseman throwing this ball to get her out. And you can see that the ball is about to hit her face. And the ball's labeled conviction. And the fielder's labeled the Holy Spirit. And the girl who's about to get hit in the face is labeled me. Have you ever felt that way? You're you're running through life. You're going to make it to first. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Spirit hits you. And you recognize for the first time that you are out of step, out of sync, out of fellowship with your creator. Your life is full of the weight of unconfessed sin that you can do nothing about. You are helpless and hopeless to do anything about it. And he extends to you his grace and he says, follow me. And let's all be honest. The moment that you said yes to Jesus, you didn't know what you were saying yes to. You didn't know. I mean, you had an, maybe you had an idea, maybe you had a thought, but you didn't know what you were saying yes to. But you know what he's provided every day since I responded to the call of the gospel? He's provided an undeniable grace that I can't explain, that I don't understand. He has provided for me in that way. Sometimes the biggest events that happen in our life that we see as setbacks, God is using as an opportunity to show us undeniable grace. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Rooted and Resolved is a ministry of Center Grove Baptist Church. You can find us at centergrovebaptist.com.